Hello and welcome to the Real Food Whole Health Podcast, where it's all about real food and holistic living in the real world. With your host, nutritional therapist, Amy Love. And please note our disclaimer, all information and content in this podcast is for general information only and not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Thanks for joining us on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast. Today we have Dr. Karen Esley, who's a holistic physician and chiropractor. Karen, thanks so much for being here with us. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be with you, Amy. Yeah, this is great. And you and I have been connected online for a long time. And um, I've sort of followed like your journey. You have, of course, amazing recipes and, and kind of a really fascinating story of how you got into real food. This was not something that you were always interested in, correct? Um, not per se, but I mean, I've always eaten real food. And, it, and it's, it's kind of funny because the term real food sounds kind of mm-hmm. weird to me. Right. Um, <laughs> because I always ate real food. I didn't eat fake food. But, you know, when I found out what real food, quote and unquote, was, I said, oh, okay, so that's what it really means. And mm-hmm. people forget that a lot of the foods that they eat are really the whole foods and the, mm-hmm. and the food the way it was intended to be. So when I thought about that, I said, oh, okay, I guess I am on a real food journey. <laughs> but <laughs> kind of funny term, but yeah. And you weren't always into, I mean, you weren't a chiropractor, um, you know, that wasn't your main uh, career goal when you were growing up? Well, not exactly. Actually, my main career goal was to become a, a medical doctor, you know, being, uh-huh. being an Asian, you know, that's the kind of upbringing that you have, you know, you're uh, the typical stereotype, right? You're a science geek <laughs> and you become a medical doctor. Um, uh-huh. But God had different plans for me. So um, I became a psychology major. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that field while I was uh, studying. But then um, after I graduated, my um, father, who had his own business, became ill. So mm-hmm. I had to help him um, with his business for a few years. And then I got married and, you know, had the kids and, you know, the, the, the rest is history, I guess. But, right. <laughs> um, but what happened was when I became a mom, um, I all of a sudden, you know, the light bulb went in my head and I said, you know, I always wanted to be some sort of a doctor. Well, Mm -hmm. in my childhood, I guess I wanted to be a medical doctor, but I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be in control of my my health. And I was always interested in that field. But then when I became a mom, that that desire really to take care of our health and now it's my health, but also my family's health, Mm -hmm. um, that feeling became more. Uh, serious in my head. Yeah, so, huge, right? Huge. And uh, and you'd already had good experience with chiropractors during your pregnancy, right? Right. So I was yeah. actually, I was going to a chiropractor before I got pregnant um, for my headaches. And he, mm-hmm. I, I, such a difference, right? Oh my gosh. I suffered mm. from migraine headaches since I guess, I think I was like 11, 12. Yeah. Really yeah, long. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. I had a huge history of those. Right? It's a huge, huge, huge uh, problem. I mean, if you haven't had a headache or if you haven't had a migraine, you just don't mm. know how no, bad it is. There's right? no pain like that. No, nobody <laughs> understands. <laughs> um, but I started going to this chiropractor um, and he totally cured me. And when I say cure, I mean cured me. Of Done. Migraines. Gone. Didn't happen again. Stress headaches, right? Tension oh. gone, and amazing. It's it was like magic. So yeah. when I was pregnant, um, my 
sciatica. I, it, mm-hmm. What's the sciatica person, like the typical, what you know? Of like going down all the leg. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that at all because I wasn't mm-hmm. even showing. It was my, I think, first month or second month. Wow. And I had all of a sudden this, this weakness in my leg that I almost collapsed. Um, wow. I was standing and I just almost fell. If I wasn't standing near a table, I would have collapsed. And I had no idea what that was. That's crazy. Right. And I didn't even know. Actually, I don't think I knew what I, I, I was even pregnant at the time. So I go to my chiropractor. He tells me I'm pregnant. I was like, no way. What do you mean? I'm not pregnant. No, you're pregnant. I said, how do you know? And he said, and this is why I collapsed. Um, he said that uh, my, uh, my joints are so relaxed and limber because wow. of hormones. You know, probably because of oxytocin Um, that when he adjusted me, he said I was like, uh, I was like a totally different. I was like jello because he kind of already knew your body because he's been adjusting you. And so he was like, wow, this is radically different from that's amazing before. Right. Or the month or the month before. I, I forget how many weeks ago that I had seen him. But so he tells me I was pregnant and I'm going, he doesn't know what he's talking about anyway. So I missed my, my period, and I was pregnant. Sure enough. <laughs> I was right, and I was floored. I said, how the hell did you know this? <laughs> but because my joints were so relaxed that it actually uh, irritated a nerve. Okay. So that's what happened. That's why I collapsed, and my one side was just, um, you know, just didn't function right. So even before I started, to, even before I knew I was pregnant, he told me I was pregnant. And throughout the pregnancy, I went to see him. And he, um, you know, if it wasn't Which just is so important. Oh. I mean, talk about changing comfort level and, you know, just keeping you moving and going and energetic. And yeah, huge, huge difference. Well, spinal alignment is huge, you know, oh, it is. you know, normally to begin with. But then when you're yes. wearing, you know, when you're wearing this belly, <laughs> I say, yeah, wear, because like all of a sudden you have this extra 40 pounds, you know. Well, and everything's moving around. Right. I mean, organs are moving. Well, and, yeah. Everything just, you know, really uh, wreaks havoc in your body. So, um, so I had that experience, and I had a difficult pregnancy towards the end, actually. I didn't even have morning sickness. The pregnancy okay. was perfect, um, other than that almost collapsing part. But towards the end, I had a preterm labor. I, I was mm-hmm. bedridden for wow. almost 10 weeks. And then, oh, my um, and then um, he actually came to my house to adjust me. And then nice. um, towards the end, um, I, I was full term, but he didn't want to come out. So the the actual birth itself was kind of difficult. And at the end, I ended up having an emergency C-section. Oh, great. So oh, I went through scary. the gamut with him. So when, yeah. so when he was born, um, I actually was enrolled in an MBA program at a, mm-hmm. at, at a university in Manhattan. And I was commuting and I just dreaded it. I just, I couldn't. You know, I, I couldn't imagine myself working for a corporation with this baby at home who was going to raise him. You know, what mm-hmm. happens if he coughs? What happens if he has a fever? I started thinking all these things, and I, only, I, I just I didn't want to do it anymore. So I quit the MBA program, and I enrolled in a chiropractic school. Oh, my God. Talk about drastic, right? Out of the frying pan and into the fire, right? That, I know. So... <laughs> That's an intense schooling. It's intense. I had to start with, you know, all the sciences, you know, the biology, you know, physics, the the chem, the organic chem, the whole nine yards. So I had to start all over and I commuted an hour um, each way. 
and went through the internship and the whole thing. With a little one at home. Yeah, he was six months old at the time. Wow. And um, I went through that. And, you know, during the four-year school and internship, I had a a miscarriage. I had a stillbirth. Uh, I also had my second child while I was in school. Oh, my God. So, yeah. That's so much. It's it's pretty extreme. But you know what? When you become a mom, you know, things change. You just want right. to – it puts you in a different uh, – Mindset. Survival mode. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and you were – I mean, obviously, you were so committed. Well, I – To making those changes. I think I was really stupid, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> thinking that I could do it. Looking back. Yeah, looking back. <laughs> what the hell was I thinking? Um <laughs> MBA was only two two years, you know, a program, right? And I probably would have made a ton of money on Wall Street. But when you become a mom, you don't think about those things. You think about the health of your family, health of your own self, really. Because if you're sick, you can't really take care of your family. Right. So, and also, you know, mind you, I um, got into my family's business because of my father's illness too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. illness and health and all these, you know, topics just, um, you know, conjure up like different feelings, you know, for you, even if, exactly. even if you're not mom, you know, like if let's say your parents got sick, you start thinking about health, you know, you start thinking about what you can do to better your health and your family's health. Right. So I think that just, that's just given. And your first son, now, was he having health problems? Well, after he was born, we didn't know he was healthy. He wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't born a preemie or any kind of uh, health issues. He was, Mm -hmm. he was like a little Buddha, (laughs) you know, I (laughs) breastfed him and he latched on quickly. He was a really good eater. He was fine. Um, And then when, and, and also at that time, there really wasn't, a huge community of like, first of all, there was no Facebook, right? So, mm-hmm, right. <laughs> um, I'm dating myself, but my kids are now in college, just so that you have a perspective how long ago this was. There's no right. Facebook. There was no online community. There's no. I think the internet was just like starting to catch on. I remember uh-huh. this humongous computer <laughs> at, at home. <laughs> trying to, how things have changed, yeah, right? <laughs> dial up with that dial up sound, you know, type of thing. So. There was no internet community. There's no right. online community to really learn things from. And my hard to do the research, what? hard to meet other people doing it. Hey, yeah, the only way to do it is to really re- read the New York Times or local local newspaper, right? Or yeah, go to a, dig through the library, right? Or go to, or if you're lucky enough to have a holistic doctor, you learn mm-hmm. from the holistic doctor. But really, was really difficult to really uh, get to know people uh, like me or you. At the time. Mm-hmm. So right. I fed my child what I thought was healthy. And in, in hindsight, it wasn't that great because I was giving him things like cream of wheat, cream of rice, mm-hmm. uh, scrambled eggs, you know, milk that came in a, a clear plastic bottle, <laughs> um, frozen, uh, you know, frozen vegetables that I use. You know, if I was uh, adventurous enough, I would make my uh, make his his own food and I would use seasonal you know veggies that I do mm-hmm. but if it wasn't available I would buy frozen you know veggies to give him and you know in a pinch I would give him Gerber baby food mm-hmm. you know right so and but actually at that time there was no um I, I think Earth's Best I think was one of the brands Really? Yeah, that, that was, was so. I, that was a long time ago. I think that was like hard to find. It, I think that was the the most like organic 
kind of natural, you know, healthy baby food type, I think. I don't think it was mm-hmm. organic, but um, and I'm not even sure if they had an organic type of label that you could find in a wow. supermarket. <laughs> but I sound like I, I'm from the dark ages, don't I? No. <laughs> it's just how amazing how things have changed in yeah. 15 to 20 years. I mean, it's a radically different world. I get so jealous at new moms now. I I, I look at them like, oh. Say it's everywhere. It's I everywhere. Know, it's like, do you guys have it so good? <laughs> <laughs> we had to work for it. Exactly. It's like, and, uh, and, and there are times I'm like, you know, when I used to go to school, I had to walk miles and miles without shoes. You know, I mean, I, I laugh at those kind of Uphill both ways in the snow. Exactly. <laughs> but seriously, I i mean, unless you and even if you wanted to make your own food, you didn't yeah. know that they were organic and there, there was a far less selection for sure um, in terms of organic foods. And I think the, the local like my local grocery that's as natural as you can get is called Mrs. Green's. Mm-hmm. They were around and they were like a little hole in the wall, play, you know, like a little mm-hmm. And usually manned by young kids in dreadlocks wearing Birkenstock. So, and totally different. Right. And you go Culture. in there and you can't, I couldn't find somebody like me in there at all. You know, the shoppers right. were totally different demographics and it, it was very difficult at back then. And I'm sure. Uh, the only reason I know that is because when my son was about eight, nine months old, mm-hmm. um, I had to wean him off you know, from the breast milk because mm-hmm. I was meeting to school and I was pumping as much as I can in the bathroom stall. <clears throat> and mm. she, I mean, that still is true now, which is kind of, sad. I know it is. <laughs> that yeah. has come that far that that's not that different um, in many places, unfortunately, but right. I did pump as much as I can. And then I started to just, you know, dry out. So I had to give him formula. And at that time, Similac was the formula of, you know, right of of the the day. Yeah, the most popular one, right? Right. And um, when I gave him that one one incident, uh, I remember we were shopping, like we were in a mall. He was about eight nine months old, and he broke out in this huge welt of oh, hives. No. Oh, scary! And I was like, "What, what is this? Is like the first um, like a health related symptoms I saw." Mm-hmm. So I freaked out. And before I can get to the pediatrician, um, I was talking to a friend because he was, he was a, a dentist, actually. And he said, maybe he's allergic to milk. I was like, you think? <laughs> right. But what are my choices? I didn't, I didn't know. So, what to do. Right, so I ended up giving him a kind of like allergy-free, you know, type of like the most expensive, you know, mm-hmm. they had on the shelf. And it was soy-based. Oh. So that's what I ended up giving him. Right. And guess what? You know, uh, 19 years later, he's allergic to dairy. He's allergic to soy. And mm. he's allergic to wheat. I mean, so oh, no. that, but that was starting. That's when I really realized that, you know, his health wasn't as healthy as I thought he was. Mm-hmm. So that's when it started. That's when I started to say, okay, I, I really need to get on the ball here. Well, and as you're in chiropractic school, you're like learning all these different things. You're learning all about, you know, mm-hmm. true health and, and taking Trish. care of the body holistically yep. and, Nutrition. you know, 
nutrition, right, oh. and what's going on, you know, in our environment, the changing food that was happening. And it's funny because it's at that time when I, um, like, if you see my site, you'll see a lot of uh, DIY stuff on, like, laundry detergents and dish mm-hmm. liquids and things like that. Well, when I was in chiropractic school, that's when I learned all, you know, the chemistry of all the detergents and soaps and what's the difference between a soap and a detergent and how to get rid of detergent from your hands using, you know, things like soap and why, mm-hmm. why do detergents work? And those kind of things I learned in chiropractic school. And that's when I realized it's like whatever I'm using at home is just, you know, just horrible for our right. health. Because it was just the normal big brands that you're buying at the grocery store and you just start to realize like, you know, if we're just talking in isolation of this one soap or this one dishwashing detergent or whatever, that's one thing and that's, you know, all these chemicals. But if we look at like everything that we're using for, you know, personal care, for cleaning the house, for, you know, dishes, laundry, floors, scrubbing showers, like it's this chemical nightmare it's a it's a toxic soup of chemicals it is it is i mean it's hundreds and hundreds Mm -hmm. and hundreds of chemicals and none of those have been tested on how that i mean many haven't been tested period but a lot haven't been tested on how they work together exactly what happens when you're you know you've got that slathered all over your body you're breathing it in from the air i mean it's kind of crazy when you think about it Well, skin is the largest organ in your body and just imagine the type of chemicals that you're using on a daily basis that gets absorbed onto your skin. And it's not even just a lotion or cream. I mean, it's everything else that you become everything. in contact with. Yeah. Down, yes. to, down to, you know, the, the BPA on a cash register receipt. Receipt. You know, exactly. Down and to it's the getting toilet. absorbed through your fingers. Yeah, down to the toilet paper. You know, they come from recycled paper. Like if you use recycled right. paper um, for it's toilet worse, towel, right? I mean, that's where it comes from because all the receipts <sighs> gets recycled because, you know, people are being really you know, great about recycling, um, and all that chemical gets, gets, you know, into any kind of recycled paper. So it's on, it's on the, uh, on the, on the toilet paper, paper towels, and even, even in pizza boxes, it's on everything. So, everything. so we have to minimize where we can, because, you know, we don't want to scare every mom and they can't touch paper towels. It's like, we have to minimize where we can. And eventually by making small changes, um, you know, changing out paper towels for um, dish towels when you can that are washable and reusable. And, um, you, you know, to, obviously... Yeah, you have to go back to the basics. That's, that's, you have to go back to the basics, yeah. right. And and it's a process. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. Oh, no. Because right. I learned, you know, from my classes in chiropractic school, of course, I was... I got so depressed. You know, it's like, yeah. what am I going to learn? It's overwhelming today? at first when you learn about yeah. it all. It is. It's overwhelming. That's, and And very... You feel very betrayed. Right. You know, yeah. it's so funny because I'll tell my mom, who is frugal as they come, <laughs> let me tell you, because she's an immigrant, right? So she had to save everything from mm-hmm. the minute she, you know, she came to America from Korea. So she learned how to reuse everything, not to throw out anything, and just, you know, she just saved money that way. So when I tell her, no, mom, you cannot save that, you know, plastic soup container for, mm-hmm. you know, from like last year because it's been scratched up. It has plastic. It leaches, blah, blah, blah. Right. And she's been through the dishwasher a million times. Exactly. So she's like, but then why do they make it? She gets so <laughs> exasperated. I know. Mom, it's because they want to make money. 
That's right. You know? <laughs> and she's like, that's ridiculous. And, oh, I know. We all agree. <laughs> we have. But anyway, so, so I mean, going through, going back to the chiropractic school, the, the way they teach, um, you know, about health and the environment in chiropractic school is so different from medical school. That oh, yeah. It's like two totally different school of thought, no pun intended. It is. But we, we learned a lot about nutrition. We learned a lot about chemistry. Uh, what it does to our bodies. We learned so much about things like gut biome. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. We, we were talking about it as if it causes everything back then. I know, it all originates in the gut, right? right? I mean, we learned about it back then and it's now mm-hmm. everywhere. Everywhere. Like, yeah. Hello. I've been Why did it take so long? And I know. I think when we talk about like, um, you know, uh, joint health, because that's mm-hmm. what we talk about. We, you know, my patients always have joint problems. That's why they come to me. Spinal problems, joint problems. They mm-hmm. have arthritis. They have this or that or whatever. And we had to figure out why is this patient in so much pain? And it's not because they sprained their ankle or because they got into a car accident or they fell off a ladder. It's not always that case. But they have this right. insidious pain. They don't know why. Yada yada yada. So we have to learn what causes a lot of these problems. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times, majority of the time, we come to find out that their gut is so messed up. Yes. So we, then we introduce nutrition into the whole picture. We clean out their gut. We detox their system because most of these uh, people have been, uh, have been on painkillers, taking chemicals. Mm-hmm. They're on so many types of drugs and medicine to get rid of the pain is like a band-aid method that right. their system is so toxic that they have to detox. So we go through this whole system of getting rid of the toxins and, and replacing their gut with good bacteria, fixing their food and their you know nutritional intake and repopulating the gut with the good bacteria and how to maintain. I mean, it's a whole, I mean, it is a holistic, it's a whole health, like your site, Real Food Whole Health, it really mm-hmm. is a whole person. Whole health, yeah. right. It's a whole person approach. And then we talk about, okay, so why are you having headaches? What kind of perfume are you using? What kind of shampoo mm-hmm. are you using? Then we go through that. It's a lifestyle the whole thing. education. Because your health is not isolated to just one thing. No, so, it isn't. And you can even change, I mean... Every client that we work with, they've changed their diet. Almost all of them have changed their diet, um, but haven't gotten the results they wanted. And it's because there's other things going on. There's toxins that they're being exposed to. There's negative thought patterns that they're holding on to. There's digestion and gut issues and blood sugar, you know, imbalances and mineral deficiencies. There's all of these other factors, and it's not just one thing. And that's what medical doctors look at. They just right. look at their lab result for like your basic blood work and they say, oh, you're fine. And right. And, you know, blood work is so tricky because it helps on some things. But for so many other things, it's a snapshot of that exact moment when the blood was drawn, what was going on. And also, that is- also when you go in to complain about one condition or one mm-hmm. symptom, they, mm-hmm. they have a list of, okay, what could it be? And then they just, right. you know, order those blood tests. They don't know all the reasons why this can happen. Right. And we may be looking at, especially right now in the allopathic community, so into specialties. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you have something that's 
more general. I mean, there could be four or 500 reasons you have a headache, right? So you go in and it's like, oh, well, I'm sure it's X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, there's this, actually this whole other thing that we can look at. And, you know, I mean, I know when I was having migraines um, as an early teen, 11 to 13, I had migraines every day for two years. I couldn't ride in a car for more than five minutes without getting terribly sick. I couldn't smell bacon cooking in the house. Like I would literally throw up. It was horrific. I was just sick, sick, sick. Everything was overwhelming. And, um, you know, they kept just looking at the head. Mm -hmm. They kept, I went to a neurologist. I went to an ophthalmologist. I did you know, the same thing. An MRI. Oh yeah, it's crazy. And it's brain, like, did you get a brain scan too? Because I yeah, one of those. Oh yeah, to pull yeah. out cancer and you know, right? The typical, yeah, because yeah. it's got to be that, right? It's got to be in the head if the pain is in the head. And you know, if we actually look and go back, I mean, I don't have any definitive thing that says, oh, it was this. Um, but if we look at my history of being on antibiotics and steroids from birth to like 12 years, oh. we know my liver was a mess. We know my gut was a mess. You know, I had all these other symptoms like rashes and food intolerances and all this other stuff going on. So it's pretty clear to go back and kind of draw draw the picture that this was a whole system mm-hmm. issue that a neurologist just taking, you know, an MRI of my brain is not going to is not going to find. But we chased that rabbit down the hole for two years of just going to those specialists. And, you know, they would go, I don't see anything wrong. <laughs> and they said, and, it's all yeah, in your head. I, it's all in your head, like literally, right? Literally, <laughs> and, I, and I just, I couldn't even exist, you know? And it's like, they're like, well, I don't see anything wrong with you. And it's like, well, clearly yeah. something's quite wrong. Um, and actually, you know, it's interesting because that experience, um, brought me to um, alternative medicine because it was actually a friend's mother that said, you know, have you ever heard of the herb called feverfew? And, uh, of course, we hadn't. My family is very allopathic-based. And so um, she dropped off a bottle, bless that woman, dropped off a bottle on the front porch and along with some little article or something And I started taking that, and, I mean, it was a miracle. Within, like, two weeks to a month, the headaches were gone. Wow. And they didn't come back for a while um, when I was really good about taking it. It really was a huge difference. Um, And then when they came back, they were very sporadic, and it was, you know, usually during times of a lot of stress or whatever when I wasn't really taking care of myself. And I thought, and I was 14, and I thought, whoa, there's a whole other world that we don't even know about. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I had been through the ringer with doctor after doctor after doctor, even at that point, and that would continue for years. But to look at the alternative model, I mean, I, I always joke that I was the, the teenager reading Prevention Magazine instead of Teen and Seventeen because I had these, you know, my grandmother had gotten it. And so I would always get them from her house, and I had this whole bookshelf full of Prevention Magazines because it was just opening my eyes to this other world that was, you know, food-based and and herb-based and that there were all these other things that could help without all the side effects. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. I know. You know, only those people who have gone through that process really Mm -hmm. truly appreciate, you know, understand understand that there are other uh, ways than just popping a pill. And, 
it's and so much more lasting health. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we go to the root cause and we address the lifestyle and we address the diet, I mean, those are true changes. That's not just, oh, I'm shunting a pathway so that you don't feel pain. Right. You know, while it's causing all, because the body's still expressing. I mean, just because we take a pill and we don't feel that joint pain doesn't mean it's not still in need of assistance. It's still broken. Yeah. Well, you know, and so it actually kind of, you can continue. I mean, you know, this is a chiropractor. You can continue to injure yourself <laughs> because you don't feel the pain. Your body's not communicating with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know? we always, I always say to my patients that, you know, you have pain. Well, your body is telling you something. Right. You know, God created our uh, system so that, you know, before it totally breaks, it's giving mm-hmm. you a signal. So Warning sign. Right. So you have to listen and you have to prevent and you have to maintain. And you got to listen to your body because if, if you are constantly getting the same type of pain and nothing is working, then you got to look mm-hmm. at something else. Right. You know, you got to look at a different way of looking at your system. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people thought that um, how could, a, you know, gut biome be related to your arthritis? Right. Like totally different system, right? One, right. Why does my gut affect my joints? Right. right. Mean, one is musculoskeletal and the other one is digestive, right? So, but digestive system is, you know, is connected to so many different systems. That, well, it's everything. That people don't realize, or, or even the medical doctors. I bet you if mm-hmm. I went to a gastroenterologist right now, mm-hmm. um, he probably won't admit that there is a connection. No, so, and you know, I hear that from a lot of my clients that, you know, have been through that. I mean, by the time people come and see me, they usually have been through the gamut right. of all the MDs and, and specialists and everything else. And sometimes have had just horrible drug and surgery interventions and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, they were never listened to and, and they were never provided these options. And it's like, why didn't my doctor tell me to make bone broth and eat fermented foods instead of all this other stuff. You know why? Money. <laughs> yep. Because, you know, unless, um, you know, bone broth company or a grass-fed, uh, you know, beef farmer mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. finance a research, right. they can't have this double-blinded, you know, <laughs> the right. double-blinded, tri- you know, placebo uh, a trials of bone broth working or right. or fermented foods working. I mean, Koreans have been uh, eating kimchi for centuries. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, that's what we live on, fermented foods. And right. we didn't die off, you know, we're still alive. And in fact, <laughs> in fact, I crave the, you know, the spicy kimchi juice or the liquid when I uh-huh. have a stomach ache or when I have a yeah. fever or when I have... My body, you know, craves it. It's like I know what I need. Right. But how can anybody make money off of that? And who's right. going to um, do a, a study on something like that? Because pharmaceutical companies won't do that. They don't make any money. And all well, no, of these. because they can't patent it. Right. And, right. and all mm-hmm. of these, all of these researches are funded by pharmaceutical companies. Exactly. Pharmaceutical companies actually fund medical schools and textbooks and so they they don't learn this stuff 
They don't, and that's the thing. It's not that the doctors are sitting there evil. I mean, yeah. we, we've all heard the stories of, of some that truly, you know, don't care and are greed-based, and, and they're only looking for – I mean, it's like that story of the, the doctor that was diagnosing um, cancer um, in healthy people so that he could give them chemotherapy and charge them for that, which is just horrific. Um, so there's definitely some bad apples out there, but I, I truly believe so many of them – I mean, of course they got into medicine to help people – I just, you know, I really think they don't know. You know, we didn't grow up with this information. They didn't hear it in school. They didn't hear it in medical school. So, and there's no bone broth representatives, you know, coming to them like pharmaceutical <laughs> representatives saying, you know, this is this is what we need to do. And so I just think they don't know at all. You know, I have a really good friend who is an OBGYN. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to her, she uh, she pauses so many times to really listen. And then afterwards, she says, you know, you should have gone back to, like, you should have gone to medical school. <laughs> and I said, no! Because I, I said, if I went to medical school, I would know all this crap that I'm telling you right now. Because right. I, would, I would be surrounded by people like you. I mean, we laugh. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, right. but she clearly understands that none of this information was ever taught to her, ever no. talked about. And in fact, when I became a chiropractor, I hate mm-hmm. to say it, but she was kind of like distant from me. Yes. Because she could not understand how, quote, a smart person like me um, became an alternative, you know, doctor. Yeah, I know. Who's There's that? definitely that bias right. out there. It was right. really and a lot of that's concocted. A lot of that is really built up by the industries that stand to lose a lot. For sure. With yeah, so they always, you know, try to do that bias of, oh, well, that chiropractor, they don't know what they I mean, I remember Matt had hurt his um, knee or ankle, I don't remember which, um, during a softball game when we were just first married. They had a, a company team, and he'd hurt himself, and we actually ended up going to um, to a doctor and having that looked at, and, you know, our our mode of care at that time was very heavily chiropractic based. It's still very much is. I will never be without a chiropractor in my health support team ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so important Good to hear. has helped me. Oh, has helped me immensely. Um, and really I recommend them to all, go going to a chiropractor to all of my clients. I've, never heard of anybody going, oh, well, that didn't help or, um, I mean, you know, I, or that made it worse. <laughs> well, I, I will, I will say though, just like any other doctors, there are chiropractors that are really well, good, good and bad. Yeah. They're really good oh, yeah. chiropractors that are good for you. Yes. Um, and then he or she might not be really good for me. So it's yes. really individual. And I, in fact, um, it's finding the right practitioner. Yeah. And we're definitely not talking about the people that hang out their shingle and they're like, oh, all about auto accidents and no. all about, you know, right. like the, the crack, rack them and crack them right. mills no, no. where you just go. No, totally different. A family than what practitioner who knows you by, yes. who knows you and your family by name. And like, yes. you don't have to introduce yourself. Um, no. But I mean, I, I know that chiropractic doesn't, uh, you know, help, you know, every condition that's out there, but mm-hmm. we are more, uh, I think we're more, um, how to put it? We're, we look, we really, I mean, it sounds like a cliche, but we really look at your life and how you live more than right. just somebody. Who, look at the whole person. Yeah. More than just somebody who is going to, you know, give you a prescription. And, um, yeah. and I think that, it's wrong to say that all medical doctors are against alternative therapists Absolutely. Or, or that they're against chiropractors, but 
Um, I think they just we can't make any generalities. No, I mean, I don't I don't want to say that. In fact, um, we really went off the path from talking about real food here. But (laughs) Um, but it's all connected. But it is. I mean, that's really the thing. Yeah, because it's it's your whole life and how you're going to take care of, you know, every system in your body. And um, there are uh, uh, trust me, there are so many medical doctors that I owe my life to my family's life you know, lives too, Mm -hmm. you know, from cancer to allergies and, you know, Mm -hmm. functional medicine, which is another, uh, yeah, huge. And the functional medicine doctor that I took my, uh, my children to, um, is an MD, but she's, you know, she's a special MD because she looks at the whole system. So she's different from your typical allopathic, um, MDs out there. So it's it's really more about the education and the approach than it is about whether it's an MD or a a DO or a chiropractor. I mean, there's good and bad in every, um, in every field. And I think, yeah, absolutely. And, And I said to somebody the other day, I said, you know, if I get in a car accident, um, or I cut my arm off, you know, I'm not gonna like take an herb and rub some lavender oil on it, like, <laughs> and drink some bone broth. Like, no, that's emergency medical care. And you know, Although our country, with yeah, those do help, but right? Not gonna stop um, right? No, I mean, our country excels at emergency medicine. I mean, we can keep people alive yeah. in so many situations. Right. And I mean, absolutely, there is a time and a place. But when we're talking about wellness care, preventative care, you know, dealing with a lot of these really complex whole body issues, chronic problems, you know, that takes a different approach. Mm -hmm. And I think so often that emergency care model of just fix what's screaming the loudest, Mm -hmm. you know, is applied to this wellness and preventative care. And that doesn't accomplish the goal that we need it to. Definitely not. And we are just, we as in, you know, uh, alternative holistic um, practitioners and, you know, healthcare providers, what we do actually, and I, I, I remember till this day um, from this lecture that I heard when I was in chiropractic school from a chiropractor, somebody who I really admired. And all he said was, you know, get off your high horse. You're not a doctor. You're just a mechanic. <laughs> and we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but what he meant by that is, you know, we have the innate ability to heal. Yeah. We are live cells. You know, a piece of steak, I don't care if it's grass-fed or factory farm or, you know, a GMO, a piece of steak is not going to heal itself. Right. We can because our lives, I mean, our cells are, you know, live. We right. Have that, Dynamic. Yeah, we have that energy force that you know that gets mm-hmm. fed into our cells it's right. breathing and given the right environment right chemicals right nutrients it will stay alive and it will be healthy and it'll stay strong for a very long time yes. and what i do as a chiropractor um as a holistic practitioner you know practitioner and as a health coach and all these you know health practitioners mm-hmm. all we do um are we we are support system we're mechanics yes. to kind of put pieces together so that the body itself knows what to do right and how to use the 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 you know the ingredients or how to use the elements given to have the optimum health so right. we owe it to our bodies to make sure that we have everything that we need so that we don't become, you know, 
uh, a patient of emergency, you know, emergency medicine model. Medicine, yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is like what you're saying, like providing those, the nutrients and, you know, getting the, the spinal care so that all of our nerves can function properly. Like all of those things are just empowering the body and keeping the toxins away that interfere with the functioning of the body. That's also a huge step, keeping the stress at bay, making sure we sleep, making sure we have supportive social connections. All of these things encourage health and allow the body to do what it needs to do. Well, my- it's not like we do, you know, take the bone broth and that's some, you know, miracle healing elixir that goes outside the body. No, it's giving the body something that it needs to do the repair. Well, it's definitely a a mind-body connection, uh, you know, that that you cannot uh, negate. But also you do have to, you know, a lot of people think they're, well, I'm exercising so I can eat, you know, this pint of ice cream today Mm because I ran five miles. Um, (laughs) Or I can eat this bowl of popcorn because I did X, Y, Z or whatever. But um, you do have to consider a lot of different factors. And not just, you know, look at one thing as the cure-all. And there's there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, depending on certain things or having, you know, my rule is 80-20. So if if you want to cheat a little bit, which is fine, um, but you just have to make sure. I mean, I think you you know your body, you know, the best. I mean, I have to tell you that my my kids, because I – I was very, you know, cognizant of their um, allergies and sensitivities. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as as much as I try to keep them healthy, there are certain things that were really totally out of my control. So Mm -hmm. um, now that they're in college, you know, they they suffered from food sensitivities for a long time. They still do. So Mm -hmm. I had to use, um, you know, I had to use extreme measures um, when they were, in, in, in their teens to make sure that they didn't, um, you know, they didn't have these really severe um, eczema. Was Reactions. Their, yeah, eczema was their, their uh, you know, their symptoms and signs of their mm-hmm. sensitivities and their gut, you know, ill uh, illness and their, and their gut biome and everything else. Um, and eczema was really their, their one, uh, one symptom that exhibited. So I had to make sure that, um, they weren't eating the foods that triggered those symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, thank God. And for teens, that's really hard. It is. I mean, it's actually, you know, as when you have asthma, uh, by the way, when you have eczema, you uh, have asthma, even though it yeah, might not often. be as bad, but um, you do have asthma. Um, they never have a, you know, they never had to uh, use an inhaler before. Um, and they, they don't use that now either, but they do have asthma when they, when I tested them. Um, but when you have asthma, though, like because you really have a respiratory problem, that's almost uh, acceptable, you know, amongst teens. But when you have mm-hmm. eczema, it's not fun. Right. Um, so it was really difficult going through their teen years. And I think I'm sure as they get stressed about it, it gets worse. Yeah. Right. You know, so almost as worse as having acne. But, you know, acne, like everybody has acne. Right. So, it's right. Accepted. You know, people you know, oh, you have your teen, so okay, so what do you expect, kind of thing. And the eczema is a little bit different, although totally. more and more are experiencing it. But yeah, it's like not acceptable. Yeah. It's like, what is this? And it's right. and it's visual. It's very visual. 
and it's noticeable. Not not everybody has it, so people think that something's wrong with you, and right. you know, it's it becomes you know they're very they become very self conscious, and they can't yeah. do certain things when you you know because of eczema. They can't mm-hmm. play sports vigorously. They can't really sweat. They can't be outdoors that much. They can't you know all irritating a lot of things, and stress really um, exacerbates it. Even mm-hmm. though they they said that. You know, they never noticed it before, but I notice it, you know, from the sidelines. But um, because of that reason, I had to really uh, pay more attention to the foods that they were eating. And this is how Mm -hmm. I really started to get more serious with real food, uh, you know, movement. And Mm -hmm. I I will tell you that as as a doctor, if somebody came in and said, I have this and this and this and that, the first thing I would say would be their foods. Yeah. What are you eating? Yeah, that's something that's so easy to pinpoint, something yes. really easy to control, just to see what the reaction would be. Yeah. And um, if something is causing your eczema to flare up, if something is causing hives, or if something is causing your joints to ache, things will clear up almost immediately within forty-eight hours, within three days. You know, maybe within a week. You can see the difference. Right yeah, away. it's been a really chronic. Yeah, you can see some difference. You can mm-hmm. see some change. So that's lets you know you're on the right path. Right. So that would be the first thing you know that you would you would tell your patients to do, or let's mm-hmm. say they have a headache when they go into the one room. You know, let's talk about that room. Right. You know what I mean? Are we dealing with toxins? Right. Are we dealing with fragrances? Are we dealing with mold? Are we? Yeah. yeah exactly. So it's so much. It's so easy to to kind of you know, figure out. It's almost like a, you know, Sherlock Holmes kind of thing. Um, right. But it's easy to be a, a private, you know, a detective when it comes to fi- figuring out what could be the reason instead of, you know, doing all kinds of crazy diagnostic tests and lab, you know, lab work and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're not going to find it because everything is external to a degree. Right. It, right. Well, and it's so, you know, we talk about the power of food so much and, and of course there's other factors too, but food is something that you have so much power on uh, over right now. And you know, and you're you eating can, it every day. So you're eating it every day, and, yeah. multiple times a day. Right. You can control what comes into your house. You can control what goes into your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so much power there for an individual and it's not mystery it's not mysterious right. you know you know right. you know what what you're putting in your mouth yeah um you know what you can um take away to see and watch right same thing yeah. with um with the environment same thing with the toxins or chemicals mm-hmm. or a certain brand of you know shampoo or detergent or whatever so all these things though seem to be so hard for um you know, other health practitioners or people, they don't think, they don't connect the dots right away. Well, so much of it is normalized, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, well, I always grew up with this kind of shampoo or this kind of food. And, you know, even when it never bothered me before, or I mean, people discount like, you know, the time that they've been exposed to the chemical. And yeah, it's absolutely the combination because, you know, you're getting this stuff all around you. And, you know, we talk a lot about the health savings account and, um, you know, some people have a bigger health savings account because mom and, you know, our parents and grandparents were healthier. They didn't have, you know, um, a lot of childhood illnesses and intervention and things like that. So they didn't really use up a lot of their health savings account and they can withstand some of the chemicals and the foods and things longer. 
um, without effect. Whereas you've got some people that, you know, grandparents were sick, parents were sick, you know, mom was um, having issues during delivery and, and, you know, and pregnancy. And, and then you had, you know, a child that had a lot of, you know, ear infections and allergies and all these kind of things where they had antibiotics and all the stuff that fundamentally changed how their body functions. And so they don't have that fortitude to like withstand the toxins and the foods as long. Um, and sometimes not at long at all, you know, they come in and already have a lot of issues. So, you know, we talk a lot about that concept um, of the health savings account and, and being able to, um, you know, deal with some of these things that are so normal. Like, you know, when we started changing our diet, it was such a dramatic improvement. I mean, I was practically bedridden and fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, migraines, blah, blah, blah. It was just horrible. And our family members saw that and they were impressed and amazed, but they were also kind of like, but we've always eaten this way or we've always used these products. Like, why did it bother you? Well, oh. it's interesting, you know, that when, when people look at, um, you know, themselves, like if something happens all of a sudden, as mm-hmm. if it was some kind of a, a lightning or some kind of a right light, out of the blue, yeah, yeah. lightning bolt mm-hmm. or some kind of a sign that somebody, no, it's because you, you've been really um, abusing your body all these years that it's right. finally telling you, you I can't handle this anymore. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like, and there's usually been little signs. Like if we actually go back, like when I, you know, do a client history. And it's kind of like, oh, we're dealing with this, like, thing that finally caused somebody to try to change something. Um, We go back and look, and there was all these little things going on. Maybe there was a a small skin issue, or there was this knee pain that never sort of went away, or there was this insomnia, or, you know, this certain food that wasn't tolerated, or headaches that would happen a lot, or, you know, mood disorders that were going on. There's always some clues. Leading up to it, you're not usually just like perfectly wonderful, you know, singing with a bluebird on your shoulder in the sunshine, and then boom, like you said, this lightning strike. That's not usually how things go. And also, people think those are okay. Those are normal. Who doesn't have little right. aches and pains, you know? Sure, because it's normal. Right. Because everybody's sick. Right. Uh, not only that, well, right. my, my mother did this, or my mother had this, or mm-hmm. my aunt or my grandmother had this, you know? And they right. all think that it's okay because it's in the family. It's in the genes. And, right. you know, a lot of people might say that, yeah, it's genetics. But let me tell you, cancer, the environment. The cancer, you know, cancer does not... Um, happen just because it's in the genes all the time. In fact, mm-hmm. I think there's some really ridiculous, you know, statistics like 80% of cancer is not because it's in the genes. It's not genetics. Mm-hmm. It's in the environment. It's the food. It's, it's what you're exposed to. So, well, it's our environment. You know, if we look at epigenetics, it's our environment that controls what genes are even expressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we have so many different possibilities of what can be expressed, and it's really our lifestyle and our environment, and I don't necessarily mean, like, our environment as far as, like, the oceans and the, you know, it's our immediate environment that controls what um, what is expressed, you know what, what turns on and off. You know what's interesting? There's a, uh, uh, somebody that I know who had twins, and mm-hmm. one developed autism and the other one didn't. Uh-huh. So go figure about the, you know, the genes and autism connection there. Right. So if that's the case, how could one boy be autistic and the other boy is fine? Right. Both should be autistic if, 
if, you know, autism is linked to, to genetics. But it's the environment and it's how uh, a body reacts to certain things, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to go into the whole vaccine thing, but it's really about how your body re- responds to those chemicals. Yeah. You know, if, if, if everybody gets hurt by those sets of chemicals in a vaccine, then, then there shouldn't be a live person or there shouldn't be a person who was spared from that vaccine. Mm-hmm. But that's not right. the case, right? It's right. How your body, With anything. Yeah. And it's how your body um, reacts. We are so individual. We are so different from one another. You can't yes. make a blanket statement like that, you know. So right. Even twins, like you're saying, yeah. so different from one another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't know what was going on, you know, when those eggs split. We don't know what was going on in the pregnancy, which which twin was getting what nutrition and, and which one maybe had a toxic exposure, if that even happened. You know, we just don't know because the body is so complex. And all of these things are so cumulative that it's not like, oh, it's this and I know it's this and it's every time going to be this. Because whether we are talking about the vaccines or we're talking about any pharmaceutical or we're talking about food or we're talking about grass and pollen, it affects everybody in a different way. That's why a lot of people, um, uh, you know, a lot of people in in a family, in one family, um, eats a same food and one has a reaction and the other one doesn't. So right. they, they all have, they all sh- share the same genetic makeup. They're eating the same food, um, but they're reacting, you know, differently. So mm-hmm. it, people can't assume just because, well, you know, my mother had it. So, you know, um, it's okay. I'm going to have right. it or right. Because how come, exactly. how come you have that symptom, but your brother doesn't or your sister doesn't, you know, it's so. Well, when we look at how things have changed over time, like we were talking about before, like people like to say, oh, well, I've always eaten, you know, non-organic food or whatever. Like I know, like I said, when we were changing our diet, Matt's grandmother was like, well, I've always eaten mm-hmm. chicken from the grocery store. Why would I buy organic? Why would I do anything different? It's like, Food has changed so dramatically, and our environment has changed so dramatically over the past years. I mean, you have GMOs coming in. You have a lot of antibiotics being used um, in livestock that wasn't used before, different pesticides. I mean, on and on and on. Um, that it is a different, fundamentally different product than it was before. Um same goes with things like rice right now. You know, mm-hmm. I talk about rice with my mom and the way we wash rice and the way she mm-hmm. r- washes rice is different than the way I wash rice. And she and I explained to her, this is how you have to wash rice. And, you know, to her, it's kind of comical, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I'm telling my, you know, 75 year old mother who's been washing rice for a good 70 years, I'm telling her how to r- wash rice. So basically, that was her reaction. It's like, why are you telling me? Like, I know how to write. What are you, exactly. Right? So I said, but mom, rice grown right now is so different than the way, you know, the way, the way your generation mm-hmm. um, grew rice. Not only that, right. rice grown in Asia is so different than in in United States. In yeah. fact, rice grown in California is different from Louisiana. Or from mm-hmm. Texas or from Florida. I mean, different regions have different soil makeup. So exactly. the arsenic level is different. And yeah. you can't wash 
because rice we're eating now is all grown in the United States. So we can't wash it the way you washed it when you were in Korea. So wow. you have this discussion back and forth because her biggest, you know, uh, complaint is that like your, you know, your, your uh, husband's, right? Matt is your husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been eating chicken like this. Well, she's the same thing. I've been eating these kind of foods this way, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, an argument after an argument after an argument. It's like a, educating my old, you know, mother. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, it is, and it's, but it you know, so different. it's hard, too, for them to go, well, uh-oh, have I been making a mistake all these years? You know, like, when did it change, and, and what was I feeding my family? I mean, it's like a big can of worms to sort of open, so sometimes it's easier for people to sort of shut down and be like, nope, I've always done it this way and it's always fine. And you're still alive, aren't you? <laughs> and it's like, I don't know when being alive or being dead is just the measure of health. Like, there's a whole bunch of gray area in between, right? When <laughs> yeah. people are surviving or thriving. Yeah, a whole different quality of life. And so, you know, that was always sort of the the blanket excuses. Well, you're not dead yet. <laughs> Well, believe me, if I go back and I tell you what my life was like for many years, I I kind of, you know, sometimes wondered if I would have been better off because it was a a horrible existence. And so to know that that was as simple as changing my diet and my lifestyle, you know, the things that I was exposed to, the stress levels that I allowed myself to reach that, you know, we're not talking about moving heaven and earth. It's really fundamentally basic um, food and lifestyle changes. If I would have had any clue that it was as simple as changing things like that, I mean, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Right. You know, and instead it it took years and, and all these side effects and all this just suffering, suffering. I mean, fibromyalgia is awful. Like you're in pain all the time and there's no break ironically like, you can't take off your body and walk away ironically um fibromyalgia was one of those uh, diagnoses that um when i was in chiropractic school they used to say that um back in the day back in those days fibromyalgia was one of those um catch-all diagnosis that mm-hmm. if you can't figure out what it is it's fibromyalgia call it that yeah uh, because there's no nothing i mean at least with rheumatoid arthritis psoriatic arthritis you can do lab tests and you can kind of prove it yeah you can kind of see where where the uh you know sedimentation rate is where the inflammation blah 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 fibromyalgia there's like nothing so right other than it's just, this whole constellation of junk you know i mean it was like some of the pain points would match up. Some of the um, blood work would show, I mean, you know, C-reactive protein being really, really high and different things like that. But it wasn't consistent for anybody all across the board. And you would almost have flares and you would have, which now it totally makes sense because what food did you eat and what, you know, what stress level were you under and did you sleep and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it's like now it makes sense looking back. And, you know, mine had a huge mercury component because I'd had a lot of um, dental work done. And, in fact, um, you know, I had heard this. I was probably 18. I had heard you know, that the um, dental amalgams, the silver fillings were bad for you and you should get rid of them and and get the composites or whatever. And um, so I took that to heart because I was looking for anything that could help. And I went to a dentist and at the time I didn't really understand the proper procedure and that, and that, 
yeah, that these things needed to be removed by somebody highly trained and there needed to be certain ventilation and certain, you know, steps taken and that I would benefit by taking extra like chlorella and vitamin C and all that. I didn't know any of that. And so when I went to her, the dentist, and I said, you know, I, I really want these amalgams removed and, and replaced with composites, she thought it was for cosmetic reasons. Mm. And so what she did, and, and this just, I mean, I don't, I don't know where she is these days, but I worry about her health because um, what she did is she actually ground the fillings down. Oh, boy. In my mouth. Ground them down. And, of course, she wasn't wearing any, you know, special protection or anything, and I wasn't protected in any way. And then she put the composites over them. Well, I'm 18, 19 when this happens. I have no idea. I think, okay, it's done. It wasn't until five, six maybe seven years ago, I went to get the rest of my amalgams removed because, of course, when this happened, it spiraled into a root canal. I mean, it was just this whole big nasty thing and turned into two root canals, all of these problems because she had done this improperly. Um, And so when I went years later, um, they did x-rays, and I said, well, I've already had these two removed. I need to get the other ones removed. They did an x-ray, and they said, Oh, it wasn't removed. It was ground down. And the dentist said, I've actually never seen this. Oh, boy. And he said, this has been, you've been exposed. And it was like a few months after that happened that I was sort of diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Was it fibromyalgia? Was it mercury poisoning? I mean, it was this huge constellation of symptoms. And like you said, it's such a catch-all. It's just, it's such a disservice. It's and, And we have so many things like that. These days, you know, the metabolic syndrome, all these things, it's like it's this catch-all for unhealthy conditions in the lifestyle. And you know, you you fold in food allergies with that, you fold in toxic exposure, you fold, you know, and it's like food and lifestyle changes. And it's um, it's a, it's really shameful that uh, what you know considered uh, a doc, you know, who's considered a doctor does not. Um, you know, does not question, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, what if, what, what was it that you were exposed to? What was your mm-hmm. immediate experience? And like in the history, you should know all this stuff, but unfortunately right. we're all human too. And then I think, right. you know, uh, doctors themselves, ourselves have got, got complex, but also I think we put them on a pedestal, you know, mm-hmm. thinking that they know everything. So, right. um, when they tell you something, you just assume that that's what it is and you don't question anything either as, as a right. patient. So, and that's certainly generational as well, yeah. because I'm seeing, um, you know, as we do the work that we do and work with clients, I'm definitely seeing that people in my parents' generation, oh, well, the doctor said, so, ah, oh, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, no, no. <laughs> You know, we have to keep questioning. It's not just because the doctor said, and we have to do the research, and we have, and a lot of that's because we've been empowered by the internet, by the information that we can go and do research. And I mean, we all have brains. We can all understand. Just because you go to medical school does not mean you're endowed with this, you know, holy grail. Um, you know, we all can do the research and I think people have to advocate for themselves so much. And it's not that, you know, doctors, well-informed, well-intentioned doctors cannot be part of our health support team. I absolutely think they should be. Um, but 
uh, it's up to us to ask questions and advocate for ourselves and not just blindly follow along, especially if something doesn't sit right or you're not reacting well or you try a, a medicine and it doesn't go well for you. You really need to delve in and figure out what's going on. Yeah, you have to be your own advocate for sure. You, you have to be your own doctor. You have to do the research. And, you know, yeah. some doctors might think that, oh, you think you know everything and they might not really appreciate you questioning. But mm -hmm. then that's the wrong doctor. Yeah, that's the wrong doctor. You need to move mm -hmm. on to a different doctor who wants to have a dialogue with you because yeah. in the it's a team. Yeah, it's a teamwork. And, and at the end of the day, you're the one who owns the body. So, yeah. And you're the one that's going to have to suffer. Exactly. You're the one that's going to have to deal with the consequences because if you take whatever measure, whether it's a pill, whether it's a surgery, whether it's whatever, if you do that, it's your body and your life. And you know what? If it's a bad disaster, they can go, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry, you know, and they move on with their life and you don't. Exactly. You, you yeah. at the end of the day, it's, it has to be. Um, your decision and, yeah. and, and and certainly for parents to advocate for their children too yeah uh, and it's a collective decision of either yes. different doctors or um, you know people from your family and right. you have to make the final you know final uh, decision to do what the decision to to uh, uh, do, do what, what works, yeah you. to do what works for mm -hmm. you because not everything works for um, for everybody Everyone. like we said before no. and when my um, children were, you know, suffering from these food sensitivities. Back then I thought they were food allergies because mm -hmm. I took them to the allergist and they did the blood work. And that's the other thing too. They go, well, if they're not breaking out in hives or they don't need an EpiPen, it's really just, you know, it's, it's almost like, oh, it's an inconvenience for you, but you're going to have to just take Zyrtec or Benadryl. And I was like, oh. that's not what I'm here for. I, no. I need to know definitively what they're allergic to because I know one can lead to a different, you know, reaction. Exactly. So I had her do a skin test, you know, skin mm -hmm. scratch the test, prick test right, yeah. in the office. And she did that, and believe it or not, most of them came back negative. Wow. Um, and she yeah. kind of warned me. She said, you know, these tests are not really that conclusive. So, no, but, they're not. But for health reasons, I mean, um, before, because of, of uh, but for insurance reasons, they had to yeah. go through the rigmarole. So, okay. <laughs> so they did the skin test. Then I said, now what? I, I need the blood work. And she said, well, well, I demanded it. So she ordered the blood work and she did the blood test on, on both kids on, she had checked off all the, uh, the most common, I guess, most, most common food groups and fruits and things like that. And they all came back obviously with, uh, positives on many and negatives mm -hmm. on, on some, but clearly it indicated a lot of, that there was stuff going right, on. A lot of the positives. Yeah. Um, and some of those always, those aren't always accurate either. And, you know, we, t we tell our clients, like, you know, that may be a good starting place, but, um, you know, elimination diet and trial and error is really, especially when we're not dealing with anaphylactic, you know, I mean, we don't want to challenge that, but, but taking those foods away uh, are some of the most common or suspected offenders away and then trying to add them back in later to see how you react. I mean, that's kind of the gold standard, right? The elimination. Yes. So elimination um, diet. Because the other ones aren't always accurate. Yeah. So you take your lab work and mm -hmm. um, and I will say what I did. I don't. I I certainly don't want to 
diagnose or treat anybody listening. So I will just say what I did. And I think what I did was pretty much the standard of what people should do. But anyway, again, this is what I did. So I took the lab results and um, I basically, and, and you know what, even before this happened, I kind of knew what caused them to mm-hmm. have an irritation or reaction. So they were eliminated from their diet to begin with. So the test actually just confirmed for my own mm-hmm. sake that we were doing the right thing. Right. So they did not have um, the foods that scored really high on, on the test. Mm-hmm. Um, they dabbled with some of the foods that were kind of on the low side and they did not overeat. Like they didn't, let's say they had five things that scored low. They didn't eat all five in one meal or even mm-hmm. one day. Right. So they were able to tolerate each of those things if they were uh, had in real low quantities, by, if they, they had it separately. Yeah. Um, so they were able to live, a, a, you know, a, a pretty, not, I, I wouldn't say good life, but they were able to live a, a reasonable <laughs> life um, with the foods that they were eating. But what got me to really, uh, to kind of uh, move to really heal their gut, to get rid of, these allergies was after my um, my daughter my daughter was a freshman okay my daughter was a freshman and she for the first time in her life donated blood mm-hmm. on campus she was so excited she felt like a, such a grown-up and I remember <laughs> her calling me right away she was so excited and she was so proud of herself um, so I was really happy Sophomore year, same time, same, you know, same event. She goes to donate blood and they turn her away because mm. she had a scar on her elbow, like inside mm-hmm. of her elbow from eczema. So okay. eczema was healed, but there was a little bit of redness um, just from, you know, if you know eczema, when you get sweaty around the folds. Right. Like your yeah. neck, your elbows, um, you know, in, in, the inside of your elbow, the behind the knees, those kind of folds tend to get red and irritated when you get hot, when the weather is hot or when you're sweating. So mm-hmm. she was waiting in line for two hours, and it was in the September or October. She was really uh, hot. It was in a gym. She goes to the line. The person looks at her and says, "We can't take your blood because it's just." You know, the skin does not look smooth, obviously, and they gave her a reason. She was just so upset and insulted. Mm, right. So she called me, and she was almost in tears. Um, so that's when I really realized that they can't just manage with elimination diet and just avoiding foods because mm-hmm. there will come a time when something like this will happen that really stresses them out and impacts their right. lives. Right. So she came home. And I started them on GAPS diet. And mm-hmm. GAPS is um, a special diet. Um, written, uh, I don't want to say invented, but it was written up by a uh, British doctor, uh, Nancy Campbell McBride. Natasha. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, uh, Natasha, um, who saw the connection between the gut and your brain. And right. she came up with the diet to heal her autistic son. 
Mm-hmm. So if anybody is familiar with it, it is brutal because you. <laughs> it's intense. It's, it is intense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we already eliminate a lot of the foods that, that you know, that normal average Americans eat to begin right. with. And it was hard. So I cannot imagine telling somebody who's been eating, you know, cereal for breakfast and hamburger for lunch and having uh, pasta for dinner to go on a gap side the next day. It's just right. impossible. It's a big change. Huge, huge undertaking. You're, you're grain free and um, yeah, you take out a lot of different foods um, and it's very intensive with healing foods like bone broth, healthy fats, meats, vegetables, um, and uh, fermented foods. It's, it's, for somebody who's been growing up on processed foods, it's almost mm-hmm. impossible. Um, but those right. types of foods are really the kind of foods that, you know. Those are the problem we need, foods. We've been eating, you know, like right. we should be eating real foods, you know. Right. Uh, comfort foods that are real comfort, not like, you know, meat and potatoes and, you know, eating pasta and things like that. But, you mm-hmm. know, foods that are um, similar to our gut lining. So, you know, a gut right. lining that can really digest easily without um, any kind of resistance. So mm-hmm. we started the gaps. It was brutal. I was in the kitchen 24-7. I was doing, <laughs> if I wasn't cooking, I was prepping, I was planning, I was cleaning, I was chopping. <laughs> um, and we did that faithfully. Um, but because they had dairy, eggs, wheat gluten allergies and Mm -hmm. that it we didn't um add those back in we didn't test them to go to the next Mm -hmm. phase because they're divided into phase if anybody is you know not familiar with it there's a full gaps which is kind of like elimination diet yeah and there's a lot more foods that are kind of acceptable on full gaps because it's more like a long-term more of a maintenance you know yeah but then there's the um intro where it's a lot more restrictive and a lot more broth heavy and that's where you are taking out really any of those um grains or polysaccharides or anything that could not be digestible yeah any of the sugars and then kind of challenging those things like the egg and and things like that to see how people react right so um since we were already on a semi-elimination diet we didn't Mm -hmm. even do the full a lot of people uh recommend that you go on a full gaps before you Mm -hmm. start the 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 intro just because you're going to be shocked to your system but uh, (laughs) we didn't do the full we started with the intro we dived in you know um dived in cold turkey so we did that and then um, we went to Las Vegas in August. We started this in May, and we did uh-huh. the whole summer. And, you know, let me tell you, making, uh, you know, meat broth and bone broth in the middle of in the summer, in the summer when it's 100 degrees. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Um, so then we go to Las <laughs> Vegas in August. I mean, Las Vegas, how can you not eat the foods in Las Vegas, right? <laughs> I know. We were just there. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, you were just there. I mean, you just, just – and the buffets. Oh, my goodness, the buffets. <laughs> Although we only had one buffet, I have to say. But and then we went to these great burger places, and you, you name it. They ate everything. And mm-hmm. in between, I went to Whole Foods and got kombucha. I went to Whole Foods to get fresh vegetables, to snacks, mm-hmm. and things like that. I didn't make bone broth, obviously, but, I mean, I, um, I uh, took them to a Korean restaurant where they – Korean food actually is um, very – 
gaps friendly, if you want to call mm-hmm. it, and very paleo friendly because we a lot of our soups are made from bones and yes and things like that. And we have a lot of fermented veggies, fermented foods. Exactly, so, and it's very meat and vegetable and broth yeah, based. Yeah. Like many of the dishes are are different combinations and, of that. Right, and and because some some people are okay with rice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, rice is okay. We don't have right. a heavy potatoes or wheat types of, you know, dishes. So Korean food was actually very, very uh, appealing to, to our, you know, gut health. So mm-hmm. we then and had, we had Korean food and things like that. But through our, our week trip in Las Vegas, they did not have, and, you know, Las Vegas, it was 110 degrees outside. And yeah. we were hiking to the Zion Mountains. We went to Hoover Dam. They did not break out. They didn't have eczema. That's amazing that they didn't react at all. I mean, you know, that's the power of gaps and gut healing. It, it, it was really surprising. I, I, I was kind of, you know, uh, suspicious of the whole thing. And then I think my yeah. kids were too. I mean, they were some teary meals, you know, uh, I'm sure. the intro um, and some, some food that they just didn't, you know, care for. But um, I, was, I was really pleasantly surprised. And because they were going back to school, I didn't know what to do. They, didn't, they couldn't mm-hmm. continue on GAPS for sure. So right. we um, switched to paleo because that was like the most um, easy transition, you know, mm-hmm. to a different types of food that was going to be close to GAP as possible. Yeah, paleo is super close to GAP. Right. And it's, it's doable. Okay, granted, they might not be eating grass-fed, you know, beef uh, meals with everything they ate, you know, they At eat. college, yeah. But uh, my daughter, uh, you know, fortunately lives in, um, in, a, in a town where she can get to a supermarket with really good local, um, you know, foods from farmers right. in the area. So she's able to buy some of the foods that she can cook and things like that. And I also freeze bone broth. Um, and I, you know, send them off to her when she comes home. I mean, I see her like a, oh, nice. a month. Yeah. So I've been uh, making bone broths and putting them in ice cubes. Yeah. Size, super smart. And putting them in, in Ziploc bags, which I mm-hmm. hate to use, but I have no choice because the uh, space saving, she doesn't have a very large uh, fridge. So mm-hmm. I put them in Ziploc. That's a great idea. Yeah. I put them in Ziploc bags. They're flat and she can stack them in the freezer part of her um, refrigerator and she's able to have broth at least once or twice a day that's amazing that's been really helpful so going paleo was the next best thing and you know those are my two kids but my husband who has sweet tooth just cannot (laughs) I mean no matter what I tell him and he knows it you know I mean intellectually he knows it but he just can't quit (laughs) and sugars and you know, pasta and wheat and stuff like that. And he's sensitive to wheat. He's sensitive to gluten. He's sensitive to sugar. Anytime and did GAPS help him with that? Um, he was on pseudo GAP while we were going mm. through this. We were all, uh, I mean, the, the, the adults were on kind of pseudo GAPS. We didn't uh-huh. follow, um, like, I don't have any issues. <laughs> so I didn't feel <laughs> like I needed to. But just to give them, you know, support, we were all on GAPS. Um, but yeah. My husband and I were kind of on pseudo gaps. But anyway, so when now that we are on paleo and even with paleo, my husband is just, you know, impossible. So <laughs> he's making the paleo treats, yeah. the maple syrup. And <laughs> yeah, so he'll buy the paleo, you know, packaged paleo snacks from Whole Foods and things like that. Anytime, you know, he gets a chance, he'll do that. But he did, um, we did eliminate wheat and gluten. Uh-huh. And 
we switched to um, we were actually we ate rice throughout the whole gap too. Um, I think we didn't eat uh, rice for a month and a half, maybe two months. But after mm-hmm. that, added rice. They never had problems with rice, so rice it's been okay. But we yeah. eliminated wheat. We eliminated gluten. Uh, my husband is able to eat buckwheat. Mm-hmm. So been eating a lot of buckwheat. I've been making a lot of buckwheat products, like buckwheat pancakes, buckwheat. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is actually a seed and not at all related to wheat. Yeah, it's not wheat yeah. at all. And he's okay with it. He he gets congested when he eats wheat. Mm-hmm. So, but when I give him buckwheat noodles, he's okay. Mm-hmm. So I've been oh, buy, yeah, I've been buying organic buck hundred percent. Oh, that's the other thing. Just because it says buckwheat noodles, it doesn't right. A lot of times it's a mix. Yes, it's totally got to read with wheat, some other grains. So you really have to read the ingredient list. In fact, I was at an Asian grocery store and I saw this huge soba section. Not mm-hmm. not one of them was 100 uh, percent buckwheat. I've noticed that. So I've noticed that. It's really, but it is really easy to sort of marry the Asian cuisines with the paleo. I mean, like you said, it's already really close and. Um, I was able to substitute a lot of the uh, ingredients if if it did use some of the non mm-hmm. things. So it's really easy. So in fact, that I'm in the process of writing an Asian paleo cookbook. Um, oh, awesome! Because I think it's really easy to uh, eat Asian foods if you're doing paleo. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. So and there's right such now, a wide range of flavors with Asian cuisine that it's it really keeps the palate interested, and yeah. it's really nice to have those in the rotation. Um, and and herbs. Asian yeah, are really exciting, and I think now it's you can buy them easily in the supermarket. Yes, it yes. used to be so hard before, but now it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And obviously, right. if you can't find it in the local supermarket. There's always Amazon. So. There's always Amazon. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I think it's going to be really exciting, and hopefully, I can finish the book by next year. But, awesome. Um, yeah, I'm really having fun with it. So, and I get to eat more. So. <laughs> Yeah, win-win, right? Yeah. <laughs> Darn that recipe testing. Oh, I know. My husband uh, my husband suffers a lot. <clears throat> <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And, you know, I mean, it's just so important to hear about your journey and how you guys have what's worked for your family because that helps other families take bits and pieces and go, what's going to work for us, you know? And it's inspiring, I mean, you know, I can't even imagine like doing the chiropractic um, college while, you know, you have a little one and, and you're going through everything and having another baby. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, wow, there's been a lot to the journey. And I was a little nuts. I think I was a little, yeah, <laughs> but not everybody has to take my route, but I think there are a lot of, I, let me tell you, there's a lot of moms who have done worse than what I have done. Um, and I am blessed that my kids only have, you know, eczema and food sensitivities because gut health can be healed. There are a lot yeah. of moms, you know, who are battling and struggling with health issues of their children who cannot get better. And I really, really feel for them. So I just feel like I'm blessed. So as, as. Well, and it's amazing. We, you know, no matter what they're dealing with, there's, you know, good nutrition, healthy lifestyle is not going to hurt. It's only going to support. Oh, that's, that's huge. Absolutely. I mean, as Zachary said, you know, let food die be your medicine and that's where you have to start because exactly that's what you put in your body every single day, three times a day. Yeah. It's what becomes you. Right. I mean, you are what you eat. I mean, that's, 
sounds like a cliche, but that is so true. It is so true. (laughs) Yeah, and hopefully they're real food, right? So Exactly. Yeah, we want to be real people. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of great information. And, um, again, I will put the link to your website, Dr. Karen Esley, in our show notes. So if you're listening, go to realfoodwholehealth.com under podcasts. And you'll find the show notes for today's episode with all the links to everything we talked about. Karen, thanks again so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Oh, I had so much fun. Thanks for chatting with me. I'm going to have you on my show, too. So Awesome. Look out. Yeah. I want to hear great. about your travels. That's really exciting. So Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thanks so much, well, Amy. Well, thanks so much. Okay, take care. You, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us today, and please remember to leave us an iTunes review. Also, head over to our website at realfoodwholehealth.com and enter your email to receive free goodies, discounts, updates, and more. See you next time on the Real Food Whole Health Podcast.